Hey, all welcome to Business Makers Podcast. Uh, we are aimed to equip entrepreneurs, business leaders, and investors to build, grow, and establish businesses for the glory of God. We are ordinary Christians striving for extraordinary results. Uh, thank you for joining the show. Make sure you download our app, our Fight Life East app. That's the best place you can consume our content, uh, Business Makers, and our other shows on our network. We also uh, are going to be in Texas uh, October uh, 31st to November 2nd with our conference. Uh, this year's theme is Prodigal America. Where does America need to repent? You can go to prodigalamerica.com uh, to sign up. We'll be at Will Rogers Event Center right there, kind of in the sweet spot of uh, Fort Worth. So look forward to seeing you guys there. For my guest, my guest today is Ron Simmons. Of, of Carrollton, Texas. So we got a Texan coming on the show. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, he went from humble beginnings in rural South, uh, I think it was Arkansas, to the heights of influence as an entrepreneur, finance executive, and three-term member of Texas House of Representatives. Wow. He was appointed to the Texas Mutual Board of Directors and is the chairman of the Retirement Advisors of America. He's a former board member of the American Legislative Exchange Council and has served on the Education Commission of the States. There's a lot going on here. Additionally, he is the former vice chairman of the Autism Society of America. Mr. Simmons received a Bachelor's of Arts in Business from DBU. That's a Dallas Baptist University. I used to go um, uh, play open gym there when I was in, living in uh, Garland area. He's also the author of the book, Life Lessons from the Little Red Wagon. Ron, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate that very much. And I'm glad that you uh, read my wife's introduction of me. You know, that's the only <laughs> way I could get that done. <laughs> she was very detailed. She did a great yes, job. Yes. So uh, you you grew up in Arkansas and eventually found your way to Texas. Um, how did uh, you graduated from Dallas Baptist University? What was your what was your degree in? My degree was business, yeah. just, a, just a plain business degree. And I tell people all the time, I squeezed four years of college into 10, mm -hmm. which is true because yep. I was going to night school and had a family yep. and working and all that yep. type of stuff. So yeah, uh, it was a, it was an interesting journey. That was the, uh, the same for me. I squeezed um, four years of college in about six. I went no, to, so you're much smarter than yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, sir. So uh, after you graduate college, um, uh, you, you had three children and one, one of your kids uh is a um he works for department of justice now yeah my oldest son is an assistant u.s attorney mm. uh, with the department of justice in san antonio and so they deal a lot obviously with the cartels human smuggling things mm -hmm. like that um and uh, he uh he was a professional golfer on the mini tours oh, yeah. for a few years and then he yeah. went to law school and and when he couldn't shoot 63 all the time he had to figure out i got I got to find something to feed my family. He's got, and he's got three, uh, three little boys that are okay. grandson. He and his wife too. So we're okay. very proud of him. He's making, making a difference out there in a tough, tough environment. Yeah. Well, with all the weaponization of the DOJ, I would like to talk to him. Get yeah, him I know. On, and you know, to be a conservative though. inside yeah. of the current DOJ is yeah. a, it's a challenge. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then uh, you have another son with autism and that's why mm -hmm. you served as vice chair on the, on the, Correct. Um, yeah, Daniel, uh, Daniel is 39, lives with us, is pretty, pretty high functioning. Uh, mm. but he also has a seizure disorder that, mm. 
would create a challenge if he had to, you know, live by himself. But uh, yeah. he, he's good. He, he still works at uh, Retirement Advisors, where I the company oh. that I founded and, yeah. and sold uh, a few years ago. Okay, and then and then lastly, your daughter's Allie Beth Stuckey, um, uh, a host of Relatable. I've I've been on her show before. And, uh, and so you, you got some children doing some good things. Yeah. You know, and more certainly, uh, when I get introduced mostly these days that I get introduced mm-hmm. as he's the, she, he's the dad of Allie Beth Stuckey. And we're yeah. very, obviously very proud of her as we yeah. are all of our kids, but yeah, yeah, she's, she's definitely making a difference mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. I'm, uh, I know the time will be coming. My kids are nine, 11 and 13. And I hope the time yeah, will yeah. come where, where I'm introduced as, you know, the dad of, you know, my son or the dad of my daughter, you know, everybody's goal, right? Get on my shoulders. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, um, and then you got into, um, excuse me for kind of maybe, uh, some of the ignorance of how to phrase things here. You, you got into, um, investments, mutual funds, got into that business and then, um, you end up starting your own, uh, firm. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, I was, I didn't grow up, my mom and dad were school teachers, so I didn't grow up around money or around mm-hmm. investments or anything, but. I had a very, very strong desire to figure out a way to be financially successful. Mm-hmm. And just through some happenstance of events that I, that I do talk about in my book, um, I ended up in the HR department of a company in South Arkansas called Murphy Oil that was a pretty big company. And they mm-hmm. oversaw the employees like savings plans. So that kind of got me. I said, OK, this, this sounds good, right? Yeah. And then I uh, went to work for a bank in Dallas doing similar things. And then, uh, was approached by a couple of people about starting our own firm. And, uh, we did that and we specialize in a very niche market and managing money for retired commercial airline pilots. That was our niche. Yeah. And, and it seems like, again, like I'm kind of ignorant. I mean, I work with, I do have, um, some investments in mutual funds, stuff like that, but it seems like the, the industry, is it's a very competitive industry, very crowded industry, and and you guys went after um, retired pilots. Was that because that was one of the ways you could distinguish yourselves? Um, you well, know, it ended up like that, but it didn't start like that. We we started out, and this is the good uh, business example says so keep your people keep their minds open. Is that we started out with a specific idea of managing funds for small company retirement plans where okay. the big banks or big brokerage firms wouldn't pay attention to them. We thought, well, that's a niche, right? Yeah. And so when we were meeting with one of the mutual fund companies that we were going to utilize, they happened to be a subsidiary of American airlines. And the head of that said, well, Hey, we've got some retired pilots, a few that yeah. have contacted us about utilizing these mutual funds, but we don't deal with individuals. Would you be interested in that? Yeah. And we said, well, it's not our niche, but as a favor, you know, we'll yeah. talk to these three or four guys. And the first guy, and to make a long story short, the first guy that I talked to at the end of our meeting brought out a list of 1,500 other people just like him with their names, addresses, and phone numbers. And literally it was like, you know, an audible voice from yeah. God saying, this is the business you're going to be in. And yeah. that's where we stayed. Interesting. Were you guys able to offer like special, um, unique incentives to the to the retired pilots, or were you just offering some of the similar plans and and products that the standard population? Yeah. Well, well it's it's very interesting. Uh, pilots are very fraternalistic, right? Yeah. 
a lot of them flew in the military together or they flew together, you know, in the cockpit. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they really looked at each other for advice or referrals mm -hmm. and what have you. Mm -hmm. And then they also uh, had a relatively complex set of benefits that happened when they retire. Like they had mm -hmm. flight benefits. How is that going to work? How is their medical plan going to work? All of those mm -hmm. different things. So what we did is we became experts and what was going to happen to them leading up to and during retirement, because mm -hmm. they all had to retire at the same time. At that time, it was age 60. Now it's 65. Yeah. So it was very uh, you, you can really pinpoint. And then what we also knew yeah. is that most of them and certainly most of their wives, OK, were more interested in holding on to what they had and living off of that than, you know, doubling or tripling it. So we took a very conservative approach. And that served us well. Wow. What other, uh, that's really interesting. So you, you, um, I mean, that's, that's pretty key to be able to f find a market where they all retire at the same time yeah. and they, and they, and so you have a, a, a flash of customers come in at the same time and they're all trusting and trusting you. What have you thought through of like other markets that maybe kind of have that similar? Yeah, that's the challenge that you yeah. have is that and a lot of people that would come to us would say, well, hey, why don't you do this for X, Y or Z? And there are some similarities that you might find in professionals like a dentist or a doctor or maybe a, okay. uh, uh, a train engineer, you know, yeah. where their benefits are the same. But we haven't found anything that was like the pilots. And so and there was always more of them retiring every year yeah. than we could then we could get to. And wow. so my philosophy was, is that until we've talked to the very last pilot, let's don't change what we're doing. Let's stay in our lane. Mm. And that served us well, because we knew that lane was going to be continuously fulfilled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that really served us well to stay. And it yeah. was kind of under the radar. Uh, not a lot of people knew about us. We ended up with 3 billion under management when we sold it. in Incredible. 19, So, But yeah. it was just one at a time. Right. Yeah. It was yeah, just right. one living room mm -hmm. at a time. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was a very, we were, we were, we were blessed. No question about it. Yeah. And so uh, you've already mentioned this. You, you wrote a book called Life Lessons from the Little Red Wagon. Um, why did you, why did you write this book? Well, I, you know, I guess everybody's got a story inside of them, you know, and, and uh, you know, uh, when you reach my age, I'm, you know, I'm in my early 60s and look back on your life. I mean, Lisa and I got things started very early. I was 19. She was 20 when we got married. We had kids by the time we were uh, almost you know, I mean, 21, almost 22. Mm -hmm. And so our life got started pretty quickly. And so we spent we've spent 40 almost now almost 44 years together and developed families and business over that time. And I thought, you know, uh, one thing I wanted my grandkids and their kids to know who we were. Yeah. And then also I thought there was really, and this is true. Okay. Uh, outside of God's grace and blessing, there was nothing special about me. My mom and dad were public school teachers. They divorced when I was in high school. I was on my own by the time I was 17, mm. so he's four years of college into 10. And I just thought that there's so many people out there that had as much going on as I did, okay, or do have as much going on as I, which was not a lot, mm -hmm. and still to give them maybe, you know, some encouragement and hope and even some guidelines on 
how they might progress to whatever goal that they have. That that's mm-hmm. really the deal. Is that look? It's I love to read about Tiger Woods, uh, you know, golf success, or mm-hmm. you know, Patrick Mahomes, or anything, anybody like that. But you know, most of us weren't born with those things, right? Yeah. Most of mm-hmm. us are just like a Ron Simmons, and I want them <laughs> to, people to know that even though things may have worked against you at a certain time in your life, there are possibilities for you to have not only an impact on your family, but an impact on the kingdom and the business world. Amen. And, and so why, uh, why use the illustration of the little red wagon in your book? Well, for, well, for me, and I think for a lot of people, we had a red wagon yep. and uh, it's one of the biggest sellers of all children's toys. Even mm-hmm. today, my, my granddaughters have one that's, Different than mine, it's kind of made up of plastic and it all folds yeah. up, but it's a radio flyer, just like the one mm-hmm. that that we had. And I also, the other reason is, is that the components of the wagon, I feel are components of life. You mm-hmm. have a handle that guides where it goes. You have front wheels that can turn in direction, but only with the handle. The back mm-hmm. wheels, however, all they're doing is churning, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. that's where we are. And then you have the container, that's the cargo. And mm-hmm. as I talk about, you're the, right? Sometimes you're on the handle. What happens is that when we get to a point where we have the handle on something, whether it's our business or our family or whatever, we begin to think that we should have the handle on everything in our life. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I might have the handle in my family, but in business, I may be in the back pushing the, you know, just pushing. Mm-hmm. Or like when I got into politics, I didn't know that much about it. So I had to climb in and be the cargo while my advisors, you know, basically pulled the wagon and said, OK, mm-hmm. this is what we got to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, or many times with, you know, when we have our children. OK, this is really for people that have children with special needs is our goal is our children grow up. They get out on their own and jump out of our wagon. Right. But when you have a special needs child who is just an incredible person. Sometimes they get out of the wagon and mm-hmm. they crawl back in mm-hmm. they get, and you have to be able to understand what that means to them and to you. So mm-hmm. it was just, it's a metaphor that I think people can relate mm-hmm. to. How do you, so I'm 44, I'll be 45 this summer. And I think um, basically a lot of my friends in that 35 to, you know, 47, 48 years old, 50 even, um, we're still very much in like this middle stage of life where you're raising kids, you're trying to pay the bills, you're starting companies, you're, you know, um, I mean, I feel literally right now, I feel like I'm pushing like five rocks up a hill and, and I, I push one rock and the other one starts to slip down and I got to go, you know, and, and it's like, you do feel like those, that, that rear wheels where you're just spinning and spinning and trying to push things forward. And, and you don't see, uh, I mean, it can be really hard and difficult and sometimes discouraging because you aren't seeing tons of fruit yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you kind of encourage someone in my stage, um, literally me, <laughs> to keep to keep going and how to how to kind of fight through all this? Well, I, I think what I tell people and I kind of go through the phases when when you're in your 20s, you, you most people and should spend their 20s. OK, just trying to figure out where where do I fit in this adult world? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, as you know, and I can, I see now in Gen Z, sometimes those, those 20s are sliding into people's 30s, right? It's a little mm-hmm. bit, the generations now mm-hmm. seem yeah. not to want to yeah. figure that out too early, right? Yeah. 
Yep. And then, but generally in your thirties, what you, what I would say that you're doing is you're working as hard as you can to learn as many skills as you can. Okay. Mm -hmm. To improve yourself. How, you know, I encourage people to be on some type of personal growth program through reading or listening or, or whatever podcast, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then in your forties, in your forties, where you are now, you got to figure and it doesn't mean the Lord won't bring another opportunity like he did for me in my 50s in, in, in public service. But you got to figure out, OK, this is where I am and this is what I'm going to drive. And I'm talking about I'm more talking about from a business standpoint. Right. right. Now, okay? mm -hmm. And I'm going to drive that. And I'm this is my area. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to I'm not going to totally turn off everything else business wise, but I'm going to find that out. And that's what I'm going to do so that in your 50s and your early 60s, that has an exponential payoff. By the time mm -hmm. you're 55, you're whatever it is you want to be from a financial standpoint, if that's how you're measuring this particular part of your life, by the time you're 55, that ought to be having a payoff that's greater than your personal effort, mm -hmm. all right? Mm -hmm. And so that by the time you're in your early 60s, you can either decide, hey, I, this is great, I can continue this and still you know, be, involved in maybe some new things that are not mm -hmm. money related, mm -hmm. but have significance related. Cause I do believe that uh, we, at some point in our journey is that we, we focus less on building and caring for, cause I really believe we should pass on inheritance to our kids and, and those things like the yep, Bible certainly. says, but I also think that there are things in our life that aren't money related that are significant related but in order to do those sometimes, not all the time, but for most of us, in order to do those, we got we need to have the financial part taken care of, right? Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. very involved in some things right now with my friend and the person that wrote my Ford, John Maxwell, mm -hmm. none of which are financially rewarding to me, mm -hmm. but they have significance uh, for the kingdom that I couldn't have been involved with before. Right, right. What do you, um, I, so, uh, you can take this question wherever you want, but uh, so my dad's generation, which um, uh, uh, I think he, he he's passed away now, but he's probably four or five years older than you. Um, uh, so you're you're basically in the same generation as my my dad. Uh, the the previous maybe two generations of Christians, um, and this is a a generalization that I think is fair, um, but you can correct me on this too. Uh, I think tended to go to work for companies and not start companies. Right. That was the generalization. Mm -hmm. And and largely that's because their parents, you know, came out of the 30s yep. where job security all of a sudden became, you know, primary. Um and so but I think at the same time, you know, since my dad's generation um of Christians particularly were not entrepreneurial minded as much um and tend to go work for other companies, that means well we weren't building companies and we weren't building infrastructure and now um, like, for example, my network, I mean, we've been, um, uh, you know, suspended by YouTube multiple times. Uh, Vimeo kicked mm -hmm. us off their platform. We had a six-year contract with them. Vimeo kicked us off their platform. Um, we've had, we've kind of dealt with this weird cancel culture. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, and, and I, and I think it's part of, part of our problem is we just don't have our own infrastructure because we weren't building it for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Um, I guess there's there's kind of that take. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? And then related to that is I've been thinking about. I, I worked for a company for 
uh, uh, 12 years, I became VP of business development by the end, managing, um, you know, a, a sales team of about 12, you know, um, uh, something like 12 million, $15 million in managing revenue. And uh, we sold. And we sold to a company, and then we sold again, and then we sold again. We sold three times. By the time we get to that that third, fourth sell, I mean, you lose all control. You're done. Right. You don't. And also, none of that revenue stays in the community. Right. And if and if we're in a we're in a small town in Moscow, Idaho, the University of Idaho's in our in our town, so it's about twenty thousand, twenty five thousand people. If we would have kept control of that company, now the the guys who own it made a lot of money off it. Um, if we'd have kept control of that company, now we'd have had two hundred million dollars in revenue coming into our town. Yeah, but we don't have that. Yeah. So I, I think there's just some strategic things as Christians that we um, have maybe dropped the ball on over the years that is kind of biting us a little bit with like cancel culture and things like that. And also, like you you mentioned, you know, you want to biblically, it's a, it's a biblical principle that um, we should be passing our inheritance down to our kids, and we're selling businesses, and we can't, and we aren't passing, you know. Yeah. Big, you know, infrastructural things down to our kids too. Kind of a big question. Um, no, no, I, you know that's a great question. And actually, uh, I, one of the reasons I'm encouraged about things in our country, and, and I'm not an expert on the world, but in our country, mm -hmm. is that there the next generation, your generation, my kids' generation, and I assume it'll pass on to my grandkids' generation, are doing those things now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And yet, we're going to have some bumps and bruises along the way, but you're exactly right. Christians did not engage in the risk that it took to build the infrastructure. And we left that to the coastal elites is really what happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All the flyover countries said, you know what? My grandparents starved. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to go to work for the railroad or I'm going to, you know, be school teachers, which are all good things mm -hmm. to do. But man, we just gave everything else over. Right. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I see people like yourself. I see Allie Beth. I mean, mm -hmm. I think eventually, although not anytime soon, eventually Allie will have her own media company or join mm -hmm. partner with some other people for a media company. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's encouraging to me. Now, mm -hmm. I will tell you that I the, the last question that you had is one that if I had one regret, OK, in my business world, it would have been selling the company. Yeah. Now yeah. it satisfied some things that I wanted because I had this goal as I wanted financial security. That was yeah. a huge issue for me. Yeah. But I believe in some ways it showed, and I'll just be transparent, a little bit of lack of faith, right? Yeah. Because as I look on it now, I ask myself, because I mean we were generating plenty of cash flow for us to live comfortably. Yeah. That wasn't the issue. Yeah. is I ask myself now, man, how could I have built that legacy with my family, right? And some right. other families, my partner's families too, right? Yeah. And so that's something that if I had to do it over again, I, I and if I had to give people advice, I would say, be careful when and if you sell. If you have the yeah. ability to pass it down to your family, if you've got family members that are truly interested in mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. I was just at, um, I was just at the uh, new... Uh, studios of TBN. I think it's Trinity Broadcast Network. And I met with the owner who is the son of the original yeah. founder. Yeah, I know is, him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Matt Crouch and, and his mm -hmm. dad was Joe. And he told me the whole story, which was incredible. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there thinking exactly what you and I are talking about today, thinking, yeah. man, that is really what Christians need to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's good. Yeah. So that's a good, 
really, really good advice. And I would encourage, you know, if you have a business to get your kids involved in it in a way that's enjoyable to them. Don't just have them sweep the floor, although that's important too. You know, yeah. kind of like uh, what was it? The Admiral McCra McCraven said, you know, learn to make your bed. Yeah. I understand that. But also include them in some some things that are probably outside of their ability, but mm -hmm. just engage them in that I think would be important. Uh, yeah. And I think um, re re what made me, what you made me think of is uh, the idea that um, I mean, infrastructure uh, is, is wealth. Um, not just, not just financial wealth. It's, it's, it's generational wealth. You know, I, I, I was thinking um, when my dad, uh, you know, left his house, he, you know, his mom and dad, um, weren't able to give him much, you know, he kind of had to make his own way. And then when I, um, by the time I left my mom and dad's house, um, you know, uh, they were able to help me pay a little bit of my college stuff, not much, but more than, more than the $0 is mom and dad was able to, to help out with. And, and, and it's, and then now Lord willing, I'd be able to, you know, I don't know, you know, give my kids a house or something, you know? Yeah. And then, right. And then all that now they don't have a house payment or, you know, oh, I, you yes. know, I was able to, I was first generation graduate of college, a uh, college yeah. student. My, me and my brother were, and my dad never did. He wanted to, he wanted to go to college, but never graduated. And, and so now there's like this generational wealth that's starting to build up in our family. And I see that with what you're talking about with like a business, like yeah. that's infrastructure to pass down to your kids if they're capable and able and they want yeah. to, and all, all the, all the factors, uh, you know, um, included, um, and that's uh, something that is, you know, a lot of times when people look at Proverbs, you know, you referenced about passing wealth down to generations, they think of cash or money or yeah. stuff like that. And I'm, I'm thinking, I want to, I want us to think bigger than that. It's like, yeah. it's like not just money. It's, you know, it's, of course it's wisdom and faith and, and, yeah. and, you know. Um, yeah. What, I, what we told our, what we told our kids is, right, is that look, mom and dad started here. Okay. Yeah. And our goal is to allow you to start here, not just so you have more, but so that you can take your influence. Mm -hmm. And that takes not only your brain, but it takes money and other things. So you can take that to the next level. That's mm -hmm. the goal. We're not here just so that, you know, you can buy a lake house or something. That's not mm -hmm. what it's about. Mm -hmm. It is about taking care of some of those things. Like we helped, we helped all our kids with their first house, right? So that, that that's the part they don't have to go through. Okay. What's mm -hmm. the purpose of that? Right. Plus, if we, if I wait until we pass away to give, yeah. to give everything that we're going to give them, mm -hmm. that hasn't really helped, right? That when they're built raising kids and all that, so we, yeah. it's a balance of, of both of them, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we're, you know, we, we just want them to have a greater influence, and, yeah. and hopefully, Amen. you know, that will happen. I hope, and I want to pass that down to my grandkids. We have six grandchildren now. That's so right. That's really but, important. Uh, last question, if you got if you got time for this last question. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, this, the the other side of this ditch, um, you know, Lord willing, I hope, I, you know, I got about three or four startups I've been working on. I got my network I've been working on. I got, you know, my media company. I got a PR company, stuff like that. And I hope that I'll have a lot of money one day, you know, um, yeah, yeah, strive for that. I think it's, a, you know, and, and without being greedy and all the, all the sins that can come with it. But at the same time, um, now, if you're passing down generational wealth, how do you help your next generation or now grandchildren in your case, like handle that well? Because there's trials and tribulations that I'm going through that my kids will never have to go through. 
um, you know, like building a Christian school in town, uh, building our church, you know, uh, we, we, um, my church, uh, grew and we planted another church and I went to plant and, and going with the plant, there's challenges there. There's, well, needs, right? there, there's needs, right. And my kids might not ever have to, you know, go through some of these trials and tribulations. How do you, uh, what advice would you give to like, think about Because I want my kids to have more money. I want my kids to be able to start off with a house. I want my kids to be able to pay their Christian education well without struggling, you know? Um, how? So if you get them there, how do you keep them thankful, keep them trusting in the Lord, and still maybe even creating some of the environment where they need to um, strive and work hard and push rocks up hills? Yeah, well, I, I think what you have, first of all, I think you need to expose them to as much as their maturity and maybe a little bit beyond yeah. allows them to be yeah. exposed to. Push them a little bit, yeah. Push them a little bit, yeah. have them, have them, have, you know, have them be a part of some of those hard discussions that you're mm-hmm. having in your own head, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. then what I, I do think it's good to have them do the do the hard work and the and the boring work first, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I, and I, and I would, spend an investment of whatever it took to make sure they were educated on money Mm. and gradually allow them to control some of that so that they can, and I'm talking about just even their own spending or whatever, so that you're teaching them along the way. Because even if you, if you get them to the point to where, let's say they go out and, you know, they, their first assignment, and sometimes it's good to have them work for somebody else for a little bit. Mm-hmm. is uh, let's say they make a hundred grand when they get out of college first deal. And then you've helped them with a house and all that. They can be very financially poor at that stage, as you know, mm-hmm. because they don't understand how to handle what the blessings that's been given them. And so yeah. I think engaging them a little bit beyond what you might normally think you should, or maybe our parents did because they didn't have the opportunity to uh, yeah. helps them because they're, they're, they're actually better learners than we give them credit for. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like I like that idea of trying to figure out where you can push them uh, a little beyond their abilities, so they're feeling that stress of needing yeah. to grow and get better. That's good. Ron Simmons, author, 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 author of Life Lessons from Little Red Wagon. Where do you prefer people to buy your well, book? Yeah, you know, it doesn't place? matter. They can. This is the book here, so this okay. is what it looks like. They can yeah. buy it anywhere. Simon and Schuster is a distributor of it, so mm-hmm. Amazon. Barnes and Noble. Okay. Uh, they can contact me at, and I can, they can also get it through my website, ronsimmons.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they like to listen to books, it's got a very, two very unique features. One is most people on your podcast will probably know who John Maxwell is. He's yeah. an yeah. author of leadership, all that stuff. He's a good friend of ours, has been for a long time. But also, I have, former president Ronald Reagan reading a part of my book. No way. Very hard to do since he's been gone for quite a time, (laughs) but I'll, I'll leave the teaser with that. Interesting. Was that uh, all right? Uh, like AI? Did you use a little AI or what? I did not use AI. It is his voice. Okay. And you'll, you'll enjoy it. Very good, Ron. Hey, thank you for coming on business makers podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, y'all, make sure you uh, catch CrossPolitik uh, shows this coming week. I will be out. I'll actually be in uh, Nash- Nashville at NRB uh, this next week. But the guys will be uh, – I believe they got Joe Rigney coming on and uh, some other good guests uh, coming on. So make sure you check out the other shows on the network. Uh, until, next, uh, until next week, uh, appreciate you guys and work hard. Lord bless.